Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. No one is funnier than you. People laugh just thinking about the things you've said. I'm laughing at one of them right now. Coworkers repeat your jokes at the office, but they're never as good as when you tell them and shame on them for trying. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better knowing you could save when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Although I'm sure you'd have a funnier way to say that. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And we're back. I think we keep saying this all the time. We're still waiting for Rishi Kapoor and Mithila Mehta is with me alongside. Hello everyone, it's great to be back. Thank you so much for all your listens and appreciation on my first debut episode on the Inside Line F1 podcast. And I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this episode as much. Mithila, you know, I know you listen to a lot of our podcasts, which is why you're here in the first place. But do you recollect, there was this one podcast where I actually spoke about two things that Formula 1 chases almost on an everyday and night basis. First is money, because it is a very money-driven sport. Second is overtaking. Correct. But let me tell you, I think I missed out on something even more crucial that they chase every single time that everyone is alive and awake. What is that? And that is about safety. F1 is in a relentless pursuit for safety and to make the sport as safe as possible. Indeed, Kunal. And I think the last few days have been extremely bleak for the entire motorsport community. We've had the news of the passing away of Jules Bianchi come in. And it's been just absolutely heartbreaking. I think from everything we've known and heard of the man on and off the track, extremely talented and extremely nice person is what I hear. And Kunal, tell me, you're one of the few people I know who's um, actually worked with Jules Bianchi. Yes, so very brief moments of work that we've done, I, if I remember back in Singapore 2012. One of the few drivers who would understand the commercial as well as the media requirements of a Formula One driver's job. Absolutely down to earth and so much so that I remember we discussed racing and, you know, he was a test driver with Force India back then. Correct. Uh, But, you know, coming back, you know, while we are all upset about the news and while I personally have given a lot of brickbats to Formula One for being all over the place, the one aspect where they've been spot on is about safety, which, like I said before, is always improving. So we need to really applaud them in their effort. Absolutely. Thank you very much, the FIA, the FOM, GPDA and every person involved, including the marshals who do an honorary job for making the sport such a safe sport today. The reason why I also say this is because Jules Bianchi is the first driver to have lost his life in an on-track incident since Ayrton Senna's death and Roland Ratzenberger's death in 1994. Absolutely. And you know, when drivers grow up saying, hey, I want to be like Ayrton Senna, I know this is not what they mean. Oh, definitely. And it's also been a black week of sorts for motorsport because there have been reports that two drivers lost their lives in a motorcycle racing crash in Laguna Seca over the weekend. And it was in a super stock thousand race. So not races that we follow, but... You know, it's... It's terrible all the same. It's for the category. Coming back to Jules though, Kunal. So Jules was from a family of racers and it almost seems like he was destined to go racing because his grandfather and granduncle were both racers as well. Yes. 
So he was the first member ever of the Ferrari Driver Academy. He was the Euro F3 champion. And he's also had competitive campaigns in the World Series 3.5 and the GP2. Yes, in fact, about the World Series 3.5, I'm going to tell our listeners about the video I showed you. Oh yes, very interesting. Of the 2012 Formula Renault 3.5 Championship, which he lost to Robbie Fringe. Last race of the championship where he had to finish and he of course went off track while battling for the title. So his is of course one of those what could have been careers in Formula 1 and I guess unfortunately that is where his story somewhere ends. Unfortunately we'll never know. But Kunal I must tell you that coincidentally both his grandfather and grand uncle also lost their lives on incidents on track. You know, now, so there's this, this cruel irony that plays out yeah, here. You know, this piece of news I would have never known. So I, I, I must say this, I somehow know that Rishi brings these kind of news onto the podcast and I'm so glad that you are doing the same. And also, uh, interestingly enough, so um, Bianchi's passing away comes at a time when fans have actually started wondering if the sport of Formula 1 has gotten far too sanitized. And is there any such thing as it being too safe and hence not exciting for the viewer the sport is sanitized in terms of trying to avoid as many impacts and trying to make it very safe but the danger like david coulthard said always exists in motor racing you have guys who are doing 340 kilometers per hour you know literally wheel to wheel battles against each other as much as we love traditional circuits this accident happened at turn seven in Suzuka, one of our favorite circuits. Okay. Right. Maybe if it was a newer track with more safety features, the story could have been different. But yeah, you know, answering your question, I don't think motorsport will ever be 100% safe. There is always a safety related challenge when drivers are sitting in the cockpit. They are aware of that. The team members are aware of that, especially when they go racing wheel to wheel. Understandably at such high speeds. But uh, tell me Kunal, such an incident, do you think it can be repeated? You know, this incident, like I think Alan Prost or someone said, was about small miscalculations and the safety car should have been out on track while the recovery tractor was out on track, etc, etc. We can always keep going back in it. Can such incidents happen again? Yes, of course. Because, you know, when an F1 race is on, every everyone is literally counting tenths of seconds. Okay. But given the changes that the sport has implemented after Bianchi's accident, the chances are far lesser. Interestingly enough, the FIA has also said that the onboard footage from Bianchi's car during the uh, accident will never actually be released to the public. So it will forever be left under wraps. Yes, that's a very good idea. If FI ever wishes to release videos, including FOM, because the videos are their rights, please release videos of drivers going wheel to wheel racing and coming out on tops because that's what the sport misses right now. I agree 100% that an accident video of a driver who's lost his life doesn't need to be made public at any given point of time. I absolutely agree. And since we are talking of loss of life, Let me also remind you and our listeners that it was actually Bianchi's two points in Monaco that saved Marussia from going under administration and that's the reason they are actually racing today. Actually, Kunal, and I read this very interesting piece around those valuable two points that you just mentioned, the only two points of Bianchi's career. And uh, it went along to say that, you know, statistics can be extremely misleading because statistics only tell the story of what has been and not necessarily of what could have been. 
nor do statistics tell the story of the entire context and the circumstance that accompanied you know that act in being realized in the first place so in the context of all of that i think those two points that priyanki scored were absolutely invaluable and priceless in every sense yes and to add to your point which i'm actually very impressed by thank okay. you okay to add to your point his scoring in monaco didn't come because other drivers fell off the grid his scoring came in monaco in an underpowered car in an underperforming car by fighting with people in fact he overtook kamui kobayashi while trying to get these points so like you said i hope the context of his two points are never lost ever absolutely on merit kunal do i must tell you kunal something that's been disturbing me of late on all social media and across various websites it almost seems like jules bianchi's passing away is trending and that's just extremely extremely disturbing to see that's unfortunately down to the layout that these websites use but let me tell you that the legacy of his death is going to be something that the sport will again unfortunately benefit for for the years to come like they did in in Ayrton Senna's death as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So the virtual safety car has been now announced and being used We've extensively seen it on track so. This season. The FIA is now going to insert high speed cameras that will help monitor the loads the drivers will be subjected to in slow motion during an impact so that will also help them study what a driver goes through during an impact. I see. Of course there is talk of fighter jet style canopies coming in formula 1. Do you think that's a solution? I don't know the FI is still studying it. Right. Uh it doesn't seem like it will be traditionally formula 1 has always been an open wheel single seater championship covering it WEC Le Mans style probably takes some visual appeal of the sport the away. Sport. I don't know personally I'm open for open wheel single seater racing. And lastly of course and I'm very thankful that the FI is going to permanently retire number 17 as a mark of respect to Jules Bianchi. And you know as much as you make fun of them and I I will say this because I make most fun of oh, all the drivers. Oh tell me about it. They are the ones risking their lives to actually entertain us. So a big thank you going out to each one of them for doing this on and on every single time they get into the cockpit. So does this mean that you will stop making fun of Pastor Maldonado Kunal? Now we're just taking that a step <laughs> further. But talking about the drivers Kunal, so uh, the one driver that seems to be holding the entire key to this massive domino effect that could play out in 2016, Kimi Raikkonen. So we've all been seeing these clues that have been cropping up, you know, about his imminent retirement from Ferrari or moving out to another team. So how do you think that could possibly play out? You know, before I go to that, you told me and our listeners last episode that Raikkonen is your favorite driver. Of course he is. Do you believe he should be replaced in 2016? Be honest. <laughs> This is an unfair question, Kunal. Like to be, to be honest, I would have loved to see Kimi around in 2016 as well, but to be completely fair, he hasn't actually performed up to his supposed potential this entire season and he's been consistently outpaced by Vettel. Now you're a so true that's... fan of the sport and of the podcast and of Kimi Raikkonen. Kudos, Miss Mehta. Now that we have established that, the what's also more disconcerting Kunal is that it was actually none other than Jules Bianchi who was confirmed to be Kimi Raikkonen's replacement. So if all had actually been well, Jules Bianchi would have been at Sauber this year. and if the paddock talk is to be believed jules would have been at ferrari next year 
Wow, wouldn't that have been a dream for any driver on the grid? What a twist of fate. But for now, let's talk of the other drivers who are probably dreaming the Ferrari dream every single night. There is, of course, a PR overdrive by Valtteri Bottas and his management claiming that they've probably got a $13 million deal for 2016. Oh, wow. That means Ferrari will go from one fin to the other. Although I must admit that he is not my top choice for Raikkonen's replacement. And your top choice is? Nico Hulkenberg. And I'll come to that. Okay. But the funniest part in this whole Bottas replacing Raikkonen saga is Toto Wolf coming and saying that Bottas has a 50% chance of getting a Ferrari contract. Well, let's be honest. Every driver on the grid has probably got a 50% chance of getting a Ferrari contract. (laughs) Talking about probability. Talking about Nico Hulkenberg though, Kunal. He seems to be second in line and you seem to think that he should be the first in line. Reports say that his nationality could actually work against him, huh? Yeah, it seems a little unfortunate that if his nationality is going to work against him, two Germans in an Italian team, uh, maybe that's what they need to beat a German team called Mercedes. I don't know. But, you know, it's very simple. If his nationality is what he claims is going to work against him, he should change it. He's spent so much time at Force India and very lovingly so that he's almost half Indian. And I can tell you that. (laughs) Do you seem to think that Ferrari's driver decisions are actually made by the board? Or do they kind of seem to consider the road car business and its needs before deciding on whom to hire, much like Mercedes had done for Hamilton? You know, that's a very interesting question. It's a Mm -hmm. question that I always wondered. And I believe that Ferrari are slightly more emotional than logical when it comes to making the driver decisions. They care more about the Formula One business because that is their key marketing and media business than about the road car business in terms of a driver choice. Otherwise, listeners are going to lash out at me for that statement. Having said that, I just hope their emotions take them towards another German called Nico Hulkenberg. But yes, in comparison to the Lewis Hamilton point, a lot of listeners should know that this was actually a factor that worked in favor of the Britain when they decided to replace him with Michael Schumacher. Because through research that I have had access to, very secondary there were indications that Mercedes is a car that my father was driving and hence the other competitive manufacturers looked far cooler and hence the decision to drop an aging Michael Schumacher and to bring on a Lewis Hamilton. That's that's a very interesting point, Kunal, and thank you for bringing up Michael Schumacher. I think we're all uh, absolutely rooting for him to pull through and not go the Jules Bianchi way. And our, our prayers. Prayers absolutely with Michael Schumacher and his family. And lastly, since we're talking about the man himself, Kimi Raikkonen, I think we should just send him to Williams. Williams works damn well with former Ferrari drivers. (laughs) Look at Felipe Massa. And it also seems like the team to go to for retirement, like we spoke about Jensen Button going there next year as well. Do they have better retirement benefits? I don't know. Maybe it means (laughs) having a tea with uh, Sir Frank Williams every second evening and listening to his iconic and most memorable Formula 1 stories. Maybe that's a brilliant retirement oh, benefit. <laughs> we, should do a, we should do a podcast with Sir Frank Williams. Let's call him over. <laughs> and here's a driver who seems to be pretty much uh, currently at the bottom of this entire driver's domino game that's playing out. Felipe Nasser. So his seat seems to actually depend on where the people around him are going. So he's tipped to go to Williams, but then you can't entirely be sure, you know? Yes. Like you said... A true case of musical chairs. Or seats. (laughs) 
Since you talked of Felipe Nasser, I'll bring to notice the other Felipe, the Felipe Massa. Massa Nasser sounds the same thing. Uh, it'll be very funny if both of them end up driving for Williams because there is a chance that Massa will be retained in 2016. Don't we all love him? We'd love to see him in 2016. I'd love to see him on the yeah. grid. The other driver who could be probably on his way out or Lotus probably will have to choose between Grosjean's talent and Maldonado's millions because there is rumour that Jolyon Palmer could be on his way to Lotus in 2016 as well. Oh, wow. Yes. Again, one driver who you will have to see a lot of times with and without a helmet to recognise him outside of a cockpit. So, Kunal, let's talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix, though. The entire Formula One circuit is moving over to Budapest to the extremely tight and twisty and technical circuit of Hungary. What do you actually expect will happen? I expect a lot of high-speed racing, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I expect Mercedes drivers to go fighting. But very curiously, I want to see who's going to get pole because it shows that in the Mercedes camp, the guy who gets pole is probably the guy who wins mostly. But not necessarily the case because... In the last two races, which is in Austria and in Silverstone, the Mercedes drivers haven't been able to perfect their start. And I'd love to see Philippe Massa flying his way past again. Of course, Kunal, the fun ends when somebody gets hurt. Or in this case, when you have an incident as upsetting as Jules Bianchi. And I suppose it is difficult to then go back and kind of enjoy the play as a fan or as a racer. Though Bernie has said that, of course, the drivers are professionals and the game will go on in Hungary. That's true. It is very difficult to get back to work. In fact, I remember when you and I started making notes and we realized that, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about Jules Bianchi. We we actually pulled down all the humor that we would have otherwise put out, which is why we were serious in the first half of the episode. But drivers are trained professionals. They've gone through hours of sports psychological training. And I bet that the minute they put on the helmet and they sit in the cockpit, they're only thinking of going and driving those cars as fast as they ever can. Business as usual. Yes. But moving away from drivers, talking about marketing in the sport, talking about business. The the, the race is called Magyar Nagidic. And no offense to the Hungarian listeners out there, but can the sport please have names in English? We want a universal appeal. And I tell you this from a real life incident, not more than three weeks ago, when I had a, I had a friend filling out a form to buy tickets to the Hungarian Grand Prix. First time watcher and he called me and said, Kunal, what is Magyar Nagidic? Where is the name of the Hungarian Grand Prix? Oh dear. And that's true. Think of it. I mean, by that logic, if the Indian Grand Prix were to ever come back, they're going to they gonna call it the Bhartiya Gadi Ki Dord, you know, I mean, or a race of cars in Hindi. Oh my, that's quite a mouthful. Back to the Hungaro ring though, Kunal. It's a Monaco-type track. So, Ricciardo called it Monaco minus the walls, which I found quite cool. It's slow speed, high traction. How do you think the weekend is going to pan out? I strongly believe it's, it's good to go back and see which teams did well in Monaco and which didn't. In this case, Williams were really struggling in Monaco, which is very strange because the other Mercedes cars did fairly well. I expect Mercedes to take the top two slots. I hope it's Rosberg over Hamilton. Purely because we want a challenge in the championship, not because I am anti-Hamilton, I repeat. I expect Ferrari to pick up the rest and I expect Red Bull to complain about Renault again. Although, the Renault power loss, so to say, will somewhere be adjusted in the deficit or so I hope. McLaren? Ouch. Now, about McLaren, they may just top the timesheets from the bottom again because the joke is on McLaren. (laughs) 
That's it. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast again, Mithila. Thank you and, very much. And before I end, a lot of places to follow us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, SoundCloud. And for all those who noticed and for those who didn't, we've reduced the sounds of our engine in the opening and closing link to adhere to the modern power unit regulations. But <laughs> before that, a big thank you to our listener, John W. to writing for writing into us and letting us know that the sounds were excessively loud and probably ear damaging. Uh, we, we joked about the fact that here's the Formula One fan who doesn't like loud engine notes. But guess what? He was right. Adios. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.